Jesus, how profoundly grateful we are for that gift, the gift of your life to us. Thank you for paying it all for us, not just part of it, but all. Thank you for paying for it all. Can we say thank you, Jesus? Come on, say it with me. Thank you, Jesus. One more time. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. How grateful we are. Lord Jesus, this morning, we're here to honor you and worship you above all else, that you would be exalted. And you've said in your word, above all else, you've exalted your word in your name. We pray that your word would be exalted today, even as we receive it today through your servant. May our hearts, Lord, be wide open for what you will speak to us today. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for my beloved who is bringing the word today. Thank you that, Lord, she not only brings a word on her lips, but it's a word from her heart that your spirit has worked in her, Lord. And thank you that I have the honor of watching her life every day lived out before you. Thank you that as a congregation we have the opportunity now to receive from your servant. Annette, in Jesus' name. All God's people said, amen. Well, I have the privilege of introducing our speaker this morning, who I also happen to be married to for 29 years on June 4th. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And uh, we got a lot of great moms in the house. I got the greatest mom in the house. But that's all right. So uh, just uh, would you warmly welcome with me my wife? Well, it is a great privilege to be able to share with you today. And um, for the person that I am bringing to you from the scriptures, it just happens that God in all his great planning made it be someone who happens to be a mother. And um, so I'm very excited to do that. Um, I, I do want to put a, uh, an encouragement to all of you today in what I'm going to be sharing. And I almost feel like God... All of you were already preaching it between the worship and whatever, and I kept saying, but I was going to say that, but I was going to say that. So it just is like, then God was reminding me that, no, I was going to say that. So God is saying that. So, um, so I'm very excited to see how this all flows together. Um, but today, as, I'm, as I am sharing about this particular person, um, I want you to know that I will be using some words that have to do with birthing. And um, I, I am very aware that sometimes when you talk about birthing and you have a group of people together, there is one particular group of women, who will, especially, who will start wanting to share all their stories about birth and labor and all that. Exciting. And I know their intention is because they want to encourage you if you're somebody who's going to be in that process. At least that's what my hope is. Um, so that is my hope for this today, is that I do want to encourage you as I'm sharing about this birth. But also, I, I'm also aware that there are people here who, using language that refers to and talks about becoming a mom or becoming a parent or birthing something, it's very hard because they have had sadness around that. And I, and I, and I want to let you know that that's not God's heart for today. God's heart is the fact that we all have something to birth. And God is calling us all to birth something. And that's what I'm talking about today. It's not the physical. It's the spiritual, but I'll be using some words that might relate to physical. Um, so having said that, I'm going to try and be 
technologically. Oh, I guess did it. Okay, so we are talking about daring do again um, with this wonderful quote from Eleanor Roosevelt, the world needs dreamers and the world needs doers, but most of all what the world, what the world needs dreamers who are doers. And the person that I'm going to be talking about today is very familiar to all of us. And the place in scripture that we're going to be going is very familiar to all of us. So we really have to pay attention to really hear what God is wanting us to know and to hear through this message. This particular person um, was young, had a plan for her life. She had a trajectory that she was going this way. But God had a bigger plan and had a better plan. And... Um, so if you could all turn into your Bibles to Luke chapter 1. That's where we're going to be today. Very familiar scriptures. Um, and it is the story of Mary. She was a virgin um, who was pledged to be married. She had this plan. She was on this trajectory. Her and Joseph um, who and Joseph was this very honorable man from the heritage of David, descendant of David, and she had this plan. This is what was going what was going to happen, but God stepped in and had a bigger plan. So if we look, and this will be, I'm actually using because of going through the uh, reading through the Bible, I chose a um, the New Living Translation as one to look at it in a fresh way. So that's the translation that I'll be using. So it may not be quite as familiar to you. But it starts, we're going to start in verse um, 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, <coughs> excuse me, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of the king of David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Um, and I have to pay attention. Okay, how this works. Okay, don't be afraid, Mary, the angel said to her, uh, for you have found favor with God, and you will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will give him the name Jesus. Okay, he will be very great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. And Mary asked the angel, but how can this be? I am a virgin. How can this be? <laughs> well, God had an invitation here for Mary. Um, and I want us to think about this in terms of God has an invitation for each of us, too. So as we're looking at the story of Mary, she was a 14-year-old girl who actually, for her culture, she was a young woman. She was actually an adult in her culture. And it was very normal for her to be getting married at this stage in her life and the plans that she had. But God comes to her with an invitation. And he is, comes to us with invitations as well. And he says to her, you are highly favored. God, and I love this, because what God is saying to her is, what I'm inviting you to do, I'm inviting you because I favor you. And how often do we think about that that when we feel like God is calling us to do something, he's choosing us because he favors us. Um, favors means you prefer that. You bless that. You um, support that. You, you endow that. You, you know, when you have favor. And so it's, it's, it's out of a love 
that God is inviting her to do this in his invitation. Okay. I, sorry, I have to get used to this technology stuff. Okay. Um, so when God is inviting us to do something, he does that because he favors us. The second thing he does, you know, and I guess in my mind, I, I think about that. When I was thinking about this, when I was going through this, well, how, how do I feel about being favored? How comfortable are you with that idea that God favors you? Hmm. So the second thing he said is that he was with her. He was with her. And I love it because it's before she does anything, he's with her. And it's the same thing for us. Before, before we are, he is. Okay? So, so he's already there with her even before she does anything. And even before you do anything that God might be calling you to do, he's with you. Okay? And then, of course, the standard angel MO. God knows our fears, and so he says, don't be afraid, which is easier said than done. But, I, but what I love about it is it acknowledges that God understands that we have fears. Okay? But he's telling, but he's telling us, I know about this. And, and, and he's saying he knows our fears, and he understands, and he's saying don't be fear. And then the last thing in this invitation is that he has a plan. God has a plan. And his plan, and this is, is actually a very large plan for your future and my future. But when God is calling us to something, he has a plan. He's already, he has it figured out. And there's a, a great place of rest in that, in knowing that you don't have to have the plan, that God has the plan. Okay, and when he's calling us to something, he has an agenda. He has something that he's figured out that he's inviting you to do, and you don't have to do all the figuring out stuff. Okay, so that's the first thing, is that God has this invitation for, for Mary. Now, I love Mary because she's, I think she's, I, I don't think I'm like Mary necessarily, but she's using logic here, okay, which, which I appreciate as a person of logic. And then she goes on and says, well, how can this be, you know? And I'm sure we all ask this too of God many, many times. Well, how can this be? I mean, let's be logical here. I, I, I haven't been with anyone, so how can I? How can this be? How can this take place? Um, and, and I love it because God's not mad when we ask questions. God's not afraid of any question that we have. He 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 actually welcomes us to be honest before Him with where we're at and what's going on. And so He's not afraid. You know, we unfortunately, and it's, her question comes from a place of limited vision. Okay, and that's what we all have. We all have limited vision. And, um, and, and God is going to reveal more and more of the vision to her. And the same thing is true for us. When God may be calling us and, and birthing something inside of us, we can't see it, okay? We can't see it yet. So we can't quite understand how this is all going to work. So I love God's reply, what, he's, what he says to Mary. Uh, and again, the question, what might God be birthing in you? But here's, here's his reply to her how. So in verses 35 to 37, it says, The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy, and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's conceived a son and is now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. So, wow, there's a lot packed in there. And I know I'm kind of through the story a little bit, but I want to 
I want to make sure to get to all the stuff. Um, but, but there's a lot packed into here into God's how. And the first thing is a Greek word, which I cannot pronounce, but that's the Greek word for the come upon, okay? When he says they'll come upon us, this is the same Greek word that's, uh, that's referred to in Acts 1.8, um, and also in 1 Samuel 16.13, when Samuel anoints David, that the Holy Spirit would come upon him. And, and the idea is that, again, this is about God. God's going to come upon you, and he's going to give you the creative empowerment, the things that you need. It's, it's God's way of doing something new, maybe something different in a decidedly different way. Isaiah 32 talks about this as well, is that is this idea of when God comes upon us, it's, it, it, is, it overwhelms us in a sense, but not in the way so that we go, Ugh, but in the way that we now have new creative power. We have a new um, um, empowerment that wasn't there before. Okay, So that's what God says. I'm going to do this. Okay, He's not saying Mary's going to do this. I'm going to do this. The second thing he says is another Greek word, and he will overshadow. Um, again, this scripture, this, this um, refers back to um, back in the Old Testament. In Exodus, do you remember when the cloud and the fire and, and that when the presence came to the place where they were supposed to stop, and um, it, was this, it was the idea of this divine presence that was going to be there, and when it moved, you moved with it, and, and, um, and how it would talk about Exodus 34, uh, 40, 34, talks about how his, he would come and overshadow and the glory of the Lord would fill the tabernacle. And that's what he's talking about. He's going to come and he's going to fill you. And his glory is going to be in you. And he's going to indwell. I love that word, indwell. He's going to come and, and it's a saving. It's a, it's a preserving. It's a... Um, it's, it's his divine presence. So, um, so in this, these first two things he's talking about, it's really all about God, okay? What God's going to do, okay? So then the third thing that he brings up here, too, is he talks about Elizabeth, okay? And Elizabeth is her cousin. And, and um, the idea here is that there's also going to be the witness of others, okay? That when God asks, how is this going to happen? He's going to bring alongside other people who are going to tell you about the impossible things that God has done for them, okay? And so for her, you know, and talking about it, is that nothing is impossible, nothing is impossible with God. So when we talk about God inviting us to birth something, it's really, I hope it's on here, whoops, there we go. Oh, it was at the bottom, sorry, I'm going to go back. Somewhere, let it go back. Oh, it's way down there in the black. I don't know if you can read that. But, it's, but really, when God is birthing something, it's all about God. Okay? It's all about him and what he is doing, what God is doing. Okay. All right. So then comes Mary's response, Mary's reply. She is willing to birth. Okay? She is willing to do this. And it's, and it's quite amazing. And in verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you've said about me come true. And then the angel left her. She demonstrates a radical trust, a radical trust in God, which is really, she has this very much bedrock conviction that 
God is faithful, okay? That God is faithful. Because when we break down what she says here, the first thing she says is she knows who she is, okay? She says, I'm the Lord's servant or the Lord's handmaiden. And actually, again, there's a Greek word, um, I think it's pronounced doulo, doule, which actually um, Paul uses the same thing in Romans 1 when he talks about Paul, a servant of Christ, Jesus, you know, Jesus Christ called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel. That idea, I mean, she's, she is talking about that she's not really her own, but not in a bad way, um, but she's not her own, but she knows it because she knows she has a voice because she's not, she's talking about, yeah, yeah, I, I'm God's, and, you know, and, and, and I'm going to agree with what you're doing. So it's not, it's not just a, I'm a slave and I have to do whatever God says kind of thing, but it's, it's a recognition of a relationship that's there, okay, and that she's cooperating with what God's doing. Um, she's recognizing that she's chosen by God. I'm the Lord's. How often do we think about that? We're his, okay? We're his. And, and you know, and, and I think in the midst of this, when you guys have to remember now, she's, she's 14 years old. She's not married yet. She's going to have a baby. And so there has to be some recognition on her part that there's probably going to be some ridicule here. There's probably going to be some people who are, it's, it's going to be a tough road here, some of this stuff. So it's not just a blind, a blindness about it, okay? But there's a courageousness about this that's saying, okay, I may be ridiculed, but you know what? I care more about what God says about me, who God says I am and what God's calling to me. So she's just radically going to trust God. Then she goes on and says, um, then she goes on and talks about, may everything you have said about me come true. I've put as, she rests in him, okay? All these other people are going to start saying bad things. I don't care. I'm resting in what you say about me and who you are. And she's not tooting her own horn. She's not saying, okay, God, now I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do this for you, and I'm going to do this for you. She says, may everything you have said about me come true. The emphasis is on who? God and what God is saying. Okay, not again, not what she's figuring out, how it's going to work, but it's all about, okay, God, this is, I'm I'm resting in the fact that I'm yours and that it's all about what you're doing, okay? I'm trusting you. Um, And God's words are more important. She's risking her whole future, okay? Her whole future here is at stake, and she's risking it all for what God is saying about her. So she's resting in him. Okay. Uh, now, if we read, and I, I, didn't, I didn't put it up here, but if you continue on in there, in Luke, starting in verse 39 of chapter 1, it says, And a few days later, Mary hurried to the hill country of Judea, to the town where Zechariah lived, and she entered the house, and she greeted Elizabeth. At the sound of Mary's greeting, Elizabeth's child leaped within her, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And Elizabeth gave a glad cry and exclaimed to Mary, God has blessed you above all women, and your child is blessed. And why am I so honored that the Lord, the mother of my Lord should visit me? When I heard your greeting, the baby in my womb jumped for joy. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Now, I want to emphasize that last scripture that I just read. You are blessed because you believed that the Lord would do what he said. Mary is our first example of a disciple. 
okay, in the Gospels. She hears the word of God. This is what God says. She believes it, and she acts on it radically. Okay? And, and Elizabeth's response to that is, you're blessed for doing that. Okay? We're blessed when we are his disciples. We're blessed. And, but, you know, but the great thing about this is Jesus talks about this very same thing again. Um, I think I have it. Yes, in Luke 11, 27, 28. Um, a woman comes and says, you know, oh, how blessed is the mother who, who birthed you and, you know, and everything. And Jesus goes, yes, God, um, God bless your mother, the womb from which you came and the breast that nursed you. But then Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Wow. That's us. We hear the word of God and put it into practice. We are even more blessed than Mary was blessed. Okay. And then Mary goes on. And she is soaked in the truth. Um, she's soaked in the truth of who God is. So she knows him and she trusts him and she begins to praise him. And I love it because it was referred to several times, I think, during our worship about the response that we are to have towards God. And here Mary does this beautiful, beautiful, beautiful scripture. Um, And I can't remember if we really have it all here. I should check my little things. Oh, yeah, we do. Yay. Okay. And um, there's this cute little thing at the bottom here, frog. Um, I think this is Liz's. Thing. Did you come up with it, Liz? I don't know where she is. Or it's been around for a while. Anyway, I, I use it with Kingdom Kids stuff and everything else. But it's fully rely on God. And, and Mary, we're going to look at her proclamation of what she does. And looking at it, you will see just how much she's relying on God. God is asking her to birth something. God is asking her to do something big. But her response is to praise God, not to fret, but to praise God and to keep acknowledging and relying on him. So if we look at the scripture, it's a, it's, a, it's a quite a large passage here, but Mary's response, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation. We were talking about that today. To all who fear him, his mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and the haughty ones. He has brought down princes in their thrones and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he has made his promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his children forever. I'm just going to quickly kind of go through, and I'm just going to reference them, and you just keep looking up there at the scripture. But verse 47, first of all, she glorifies God, her Savior. She knows she needs a Savior. She recognizes, again, this is all about him, and she glorifies God that he has brought, I praise you, because you, you are my Savior. You're it, God, you're it. You're who I'm holding on to. 48, she then knows who she is. Again, she's talking about herself being a servant girl. And that she recognized that God associates with those who are poor and humble. That he gets it. And that he doesn't look down on that, but he associates with them. And his heart is for those who are humble. Um, and, uh, and, and that she's going to rely on God for that. Verse 49, God is holy. And so what he asks us to do, what he asks us to birth, 
Do you ever think about that? What God asks you to do is holy? Hmm. Interesting. It's not a mindset that we often have um, in that what she says next. Because in that same verse, verse 49, she says, For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. We often think about that we do great things for God, but we forget that even when he calls us to do something, it's great for us. Okay? It's great for us what he's calling us to do. And then in verse 50, of course, it's generational, you know, what or when or whatever God births in you and has you do isn't just for us. It's not just for now, but it's for generation upon generation upon generation. Um, 51 and 52 um, talks about how mighty God is. You know, um, he scatters the proud. Um, you know, do we sometimes think about it in our own thoughts when God is calling us to do something that's all about us? You know, I know, um, you know, um, we get that mixed up sometimes because we're trying to figure out how we're supposed to do it. And again, it's going back to that thing. It's all about him. And remembering it's all about him. It's all about him. He fills the hungry, it says in verse 53. How often do we fear we won't have enough? Oh, God, what you're asking me to birth, do I have enough to feed one more mouth? God, do I have it? Do I have it? Do I have it? No, you probably don't have it. But God does have it. Okay? But God does have it. You know? It's, you know, we seek him, seek his righteousness, and all that other stuff that we need is added. God gets and brings. Then, in verse 54 and 55, it talks about when we birth, it's not in isolation. Hmm. You know, um, there's a history. God has a plan that's much bigger than us. And, and I know sometimes when, when you are pregnant, you feel awfully big, and you feel as big as, a, you know, and you can't imagine anything being bigger than you. But, <laughs> but what God is talking about here is <laughs> speaking as one. Um, anyway, but what God is talking about is much bigger. Um, if, you, I, you, if you can turn there, you don't have to, but I'm just going to read to you from Genesis 22. This is when God was talking to Abraham, in verses, and this is what Mary's referring to. In um, Genesis 22, 16 to 18. Um, it says, This is what the Lord says, Because you have obeyed me and have not withheld even your son, your only son, this was when he had asked him to take Isaac up there, I swear by my own name that I will certainly bless you. I will multiply your descendants beyond the number like the stars in the sky and the stand on the seashore. Your descendants will conquer the cities of their enemies. And through your descendants, all the nations of the earth will be blessed all because you have obeyed me. Wow. It's talking about the promise, and this is part of the fulfillment of that promise is what's happening here, what God is calling for Mary to do. And, and, and how God's plan is so cool, how it's like a jigsaw puzzle. And I, I'm a puzzler. I don't know how many of you are into jigsaw puzzles, but I love doing jigsaw puzzles. And how the pieces suddenly start fitting together and they make sense and it all goes together. So Mary's a part of this puzzle that was started a long time ago. And she's just another part of it. And you, and you, and you, and you, and all of us are parts of that same puzzle of the God's plan for his kingdom. And um, the, the, the wonderful thing about his, here that I also like to keep reminding myself about, um, and God often does, um, is that others will be blessed by your obedience. When you choose to be radically obedient and say yes to God and what he's calling you to do, 
it will bless you. We've talked about that. But it's also going to bless others. And it's going to go from generation to generation to generation. And, and the interesting thing with Abraham and, and when God was talking about that, Abraham um, was blessed because of his obedience. But that wasn't his motivation. Okay, He was obedient first before he knew that he would be blessed. Okay? Think about that. Because um, sometimes... We, especially in our culture, we can get caught up in the what's in it for me stuff. And, okay, I'll do it for you, God, as long as I know this and this and this and this and this, and this is going to happen. But, but Abraham was obedient first, and then the blessings came. It wasn't his motivation. Okay, well, our story goes on. So, so when you're pregnant, the first thing she did was she was willing, and then comes the next part, which is the waiting and the weightiness of birth, okay? And I like to think of waiting as carrying the dream before it's ever seen. Um, physical birth takes usually about nine months, um, give or take a little bit, um, for, it to be, for that dream of that little one to become a reality and to be birthed. Well, the same thing is true... Um, for spiritually, there's usually a time frame that God has in, man, in mind, a gestation period from when he's planted something in you until it comes to fruition. It doesn't necessarily follow a nine-month schedule um, because God's ways are a little different than our ways. Um, but it, I do feel like it does have trimesters. Well, or however you want to think about it, they, they may be longer than three months. But there are those same three stages that you go through. And Mary has to go through them as well. Um, the first one... Is, is the first trimester I like to call is when nothing is, there's nothing to show. God plants something inside of you, and, you know, and, and it's really cute. I mean, I'm going to be grandma for the first time. And, um, and my daughter, Eleanor, who is not named after Eleanor Roosevelt, although they spell their names the same way. Um, but anyway, and just a little side note. Anyway, so they're all excited about being pregnant, so we get sent this email. She has put on her black running clothes for when and she's a marathon runner, so she has this, you know, when she runs in the winter and it's cold, she has these Under Armour stuff, whatever it is. Anyway, so she's all dressed in black and she's profile, and they've taken these pictures because they want us to see the little bump, you know, and you know, and you know, she was only I don't know two months black, you know, whatever, and it's like, okay, so maybe there's this little tiny bump there, you know, but. You're going, yay, Ron, it's exciting. You know, but there really isn't that much physically to show for the fact that she, that she was pregnant other than being nauseous and all those, other, you know, all those other wonderful things. And actually, that can be true when, when we're birthing something. And for Mary, in the first three months, she went through some really harsh stuff. Other than, she, I'm sure she went through some of those same physical maladies that we all can experience being pregnant. But she had a, hus- a future husband who was going to divorce her because he had found out that she was pregnant, you know, and it wasn't his. And, um, you know, and, uh, but I love it. But God stepped in, sent an angel, and straightened it all out. Mary didn't straighten it out. God straightened it out, okay? It was all, again, it was all about God. God straightened it out. Um, You know, in this stage, we can have some, we can be very excited about it all, um, and, 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 um, but a lot of people might not know that God's given you this vision. God's given you this dream. For some of us, we might hold it very secretively because it, it hasn't developed that much yet, and we're not really sure what it is we're birthing. 
you know? And, and, and so there can be a lot, of, a, li- a, lot of different, a lot of different emotions going on. There can be a lot of fear in this. What have I just signed up to do? What, what am I doing? Um, then comes the second trimester. This is usually, for a pregnancy, this is usually the, this is the icing. This is the nice period where you suddenly have energy, you stop throwing up, you start having a bump, and so, you know, it makes sense that you're wearing maternity clothes now. And, yet, you know, you know, and people begin to go, oh, you're pregnant. You know, that kind of stuff. Um, anyway, but this is also the time that people like to give you a lot of advice. People start to have ideas, right? About, you know, and have you thought about this? Have you gotten this? Have you done that? Well, the same thing can, can happen when, you're, when God is birthing something inside of you. All these other voices can start going, what about this? What about that? We have to remember. We have to remember. We have to wait. First of all, um, we, have, uh, we have to wait and hear what God is saying to us. And there can be, and sometimes that will come through people, but there usually will be um, more than one witness to it so that we know that that was God speaking to us. Okay? But we have to be very careful because our, well, God's birthing can get sidetracked by all these other good intentions of other people. Okay? So we have to make sure we keep staying in tune with what is God saying? What is God saying here? And I can imagine for Mary, okay, this is a very weird how this whole thing, how I got pregnant in the first place, and how it's And I'm sure as she's processing through this and more people are starting to notice, hey, she's pregnant. Mm, you know, and figuring out and figuring out, you know, hey, you know, and I'm sure there's a lot of negative talk going around too. You know, are you crazy? What are you saying here? You know, and that kind of stuff. She has to hold on to what has God said and what is God saying to her. And also... Usually towards the end of this, you know, after you've been sitting for a while, okay, you've been at it for a while now, you start to feel like, okay, I want this to be over now. I, I, I want to be done. But we have to remember that, it's, that it is in God's time, which usually comes along in that third, you start feeling more of the weight. Okay, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. You know, I, I'm set to go here, God. Aren't I, aren't I ready? And they're still, like being pregnant, there's still three more months to go. And your body's still, you know, there's still development that has to happen in here. And, and this is the time when mind games start to happen. Not necessarily people out there saying things, but you start, you start to wonder about stuff, and you start to fear can come in, and um, you can start to fret, you know. Um, but we need to keep doing, we need to keep staying in what we know from God and, and absorbed in God's word, and we have to keep living. We have to keep doing the daily stuff as we're waiting, okay? And Mary had to do that, and she had to do this to exciting thing that every pregnant woman physically would want to do when they're going to have a baby is she had to walk, um, she had to follow the law, and she had to travel to Bethlehem, which, very pregnant, even if she had a donkey part of the way, I think that would actually have been worse, probably, being on a donkey than actually walking it. But she had to do it. She had to go about the daily stuff and keep on going and keep on going. Um, And that's true for us in this process. We have to... We begin to feel, it, it begins to weigh in us more. And actually, I think that's God's preparation because what woman would ever want to push, okay, honestly? If there wasn't this big pressure and you want to get it out, okay? I, I don't want to be too graphic here, but, but you know what I mean? So we have to feel the weight of it. And so it's almost like I feel like God has that in his time frame for us when he's birthing something in us is there's a weight to it so that we want to get going. We want to get started. We want to get going with the next. We want, we, we want to get on with it. And so... 
Then comes the wonder of birth, okay? As we're wondering when it will happen, it, will it ever happen, um, comes the wonder of birth. Here's the scripture. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her first child, a son, and she wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Okay, so I'm going to try to zip through this kind of fast. Okay, here we go. Um, transition, okay? There comes a time. We don't get to pick the time. God picks the time when he's birthing something in us. And for some of us, it's been a longer wait than for other ones of us of what God is birthing. But we need to cooperate with the process, okay? So there's things that we need to do. The first thing is to remember that transitions, birthing, can be messy. Real birth is messy. It's not this beautiful little baby in a manger with cute, clean straw and well, even the whole idea of being born in a manger and all that stuff was, was, ra- was rather messy. But it, but it is messy. So we need to respond by, it also feels out of control. And you, even though it isn't, your body knows what it's supposed to do, but it can feel out of control when we're giving birth. Um, it also can feel out of control a little bit when God is doing something in us. It can start to feel out of, out of control. But we have to have a response. And here's our response. First of all, be ready. Mary brought some things with her. She must have brought along the cloth. She must have known, gee, it's getting closer to time. Where do you think those strips of cloth came from? Did they just appear out of... No. Mary was prepared. She was getting ready. She was getting ready for what she knew was coming for her. Okay? Um, Second thing, you have to relax. I love this. I will always remember in my mind when, um, you know, for many of you who have given birth, it's always good to have a coach. My husband was my coach, and he would always say, breathe, two, three, four, you know, and he'd have this very lulling thing. But there is something very much to that rhythm of remembering to breathe in and to breathe out when you're, when you're giving birth, but also to remember that when you're doing that spiritually. Um, there's many, many exercises. Many of you know that I've been trained as a spiritual director. But one of the things we sometimes talk about with people is reminding people there's a little exercise that you can do which, in, in, in essence, what it's teaching you to do is when you're in a stressful situation and you don't know what to do, breathe in, God, breathe out, fear. Seems sort of basic, doesn't it? But we forget that. So in the midst of the transition when, okay, we're really ha- this is really happening now, you have to remember to relax. Rely on God and relax and breathe in. What is God saying to me? Breathe out what I know is lies and what is the enemy and what the enemy is telling me that would make me be scared. Okay. And then, push. <laughs> push. <laughs> okay. Which, uh, the title of this is called Push On. And, and we, were trying, I was tr- we were trying to come up with something that was appropriate. And so this is where the push on comes from. But anyway, um, we need to push. And you have to go over the threshold. There's always a threshold when God is calling us to something. There's a threshold. And, and we can try and hold back. And, ooh. It's, it's, it's not a very good thing to do when you're pregnant, and it's time to push. You need to push through. And, um, and the thing is, when you do push through, you go over that threshold, your cooperative process, it brings life. Okay, wherever Jesus is, there's life. And when we push through, we bring life. We bring life. And, and we can then welcome, and, and to be able to welcome. As soon as that baby comes out, you're like, oh, you're loving it, even when it's, all full of goop and all that stuff, and you're like, oh, my beautiful baby, and you welcome it. 
The same thing is true when, when God is birthing something in us. We can we go, oh, and we welcome that holy, whatever it is that God is birthing in us. And we get the excitement and we get joy for it. Okay. All right. So the, so the baby's born. So what God's birthing in us has begun. Now is when the real wonder begins. Okay? Okay? Because here we are. All right. So. All right. I, I'm going to zip through. I, this is the, the famous scripture. The angels come and talk to the shepherds and suddenly appears them and you're going to find them. And, and, uh, and when, when, first of all, when you're holding that little baby in your arm, you start to wonder, I wonder what they're going to be like. I wonder what they're going to do. I'm going to, you know, I wonder what's going to be like. The same thing is true. Once something has been birthed, we, we again, have opportunity to worry. We have to, opportunity, again, to be anxious. Okay? And God is saying, no, 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 no. Um, in, in, in this, um, the shepherds come and he tells them it's going to be this great news. It's great news because what God is birthing, when God brings, what God births brings peace and joy. Okay? It doesn't bring anxiousness and anxiety. That's not God. It brings peace and it brings joy. And the interesting thing about this was, this was during the time, when Jesus came was during the time of Pax Romana, the, uh, about 200 years of Roman peace where they weren't fighting anybody and, and even though a lot of people were occupied by Rome, but they were considered the Roman Empire and they weren't fighting anybody. So it's very interesting that God would use the words that he was going to come as the Prince of Peace. So true peace, what real peace would be. Okay, so when God is bringing, bringing um, what God brings in us will bring peace and joy, okay? It's going to bring peace and it's going to bring joy. And, it's, and it will be with the message of who our Savior is. Okay, then we can look at our response. Mary, in verse 19 of that scripture, then talks about how she treasures this. Because the shepherds come and they're awed by all this and everything else. She treasures it and she ponders it in her heart. We need to do the same thing. What God is birth, has birthed in us, and as we begin to go through the process of wondering and looking, and we need to treasure that and hold on to that and contemplate and think about it. We don't shut our minds off, okay? They're still active and involved in our heart. Is, whoops, sorry. Our heart is <laughs> active and involved, too. Okay, second one. All right. Then is the story. Then we go to the story of um, after 40 days. Again, she gets to do this wonderful thing. Um, 40 days after she's given birth, she gets to walk five miles again, to get to Jerusalem, and which, woohoo, um, you know, with a newborn baby. But she's, but she comes to the temple, and and this is where we have um, the famous quote from from uh, Zechariah in uh, Luke two. He he's been waiting and waiting and waiting, and he says, "I have seen your salvation, which has been prepared for all the people. He's the light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people Israel." Jesus's parents were amazed at what was being said about him. Okay. What God births brings salvation and light. What God births in us is going to bring light to someone, maybe even to us. It's going to bring salvation. And our response to that is to marvel what is said about him. Again, this is where we get stuck sometimes. What are people saying about us? What are they saying about me and my ministry or what God's birthing and what I'm doing? It's not about us. It's what is everybody saying about him? And I love the testimony that you gave about we're representing and the church represents. To some people, that's the only Jesus, that's the only God they're seeing right now. And, and so that's true for, for here. They're marveling at, what's, at what his parents are marveling, not at what is being said about them, but what's being said about him, what's being said about God. Okay? And that's what we want to have. We want to marvel at what's being said about God, not what's being said about us and how great we are. 
Okay, I'm trying to do this really quick because I realize it's Mother's Day. Okay, so then after that, um, after, um, did I say Zechariah? I'm not Simeon. Sorry about that. Okay, after he blessed them, he says to Mary, this child is destined um, to cause many in Israel to fall, but he will be a joy to many others. He has been sent as a sign from God, but many will oppose him. And as a result, the deepest thoughts of many hearts will be revealed, and a sword will pierce your very own soul. Okay, what God births reveals our hearts. What God's birthing in us, it affects others, but it also affects us. Um, and, you know, and, and there's another scripture reference in 1 Peter, he talks about in 1 Peter 2, about to be the, the rock, the stumbling stone, the cornerstone that's going to cause some to stumble, that's going to cause some to fall. Um, you know, there's going to be those who are going to believe and going to be raised up, and there's going to be those it's going to be a stumbling block too, and they're going to fall. Some will be with you. Some won't understand. When God bursts things in us and brings forth things, there's going to be those who are going to get it and be on our side and cheering us along, but there may be others who don't, and it's, and it's going to be hard that he wouldn't be understood. Our response is to keep on being faithful. Keep going with what you know, because that's what his parents did, um, and that's what Mary did. She, she, kept on, she kept on going, even though, you know, she wondered at what was being said, but she went ahead. She kept on going with the process and was raising, raising him. Okay. So then, and I'm just going to zip through this very fast because I know we're running out of time. Okay. The last thing we have to do, the last W we need to do is we need to remember what is being birthed. Okay. We have to be willing to, to be birthed. We need to wait. We need to wonder. And then we need to remember what it is that's being birthed, okay? Mary's like all of us. Um, there's a story of in the temple, and I'll just was this, but in the temple, you know, when he's 12 years old, uh, they all travel all this way. They go, and they come back, and he's not with them. And where is he? You know, and what's happened? Well, this is what his parents didn't know what to think. You know, when they find him in the temple, son, his mother says to him, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been frantic, searching for you everywhere. Why did, you know, and then he, of course, why did you need to search for me, he asked. Didn't you know that I must be about my father's house? But they didn't understand what he meant, okay? We're just like that. We're just like them. We have limited vision or we lose sight, okay? Even after we birth and that, it's going along, we can lose sight, okay? And when we lose sight, we become anxious. We get offended. You know, she says, why have you done this to us? You know, we take it personal. You know, why is this happening to us? And we don't understand. Our response should be one that we recognize that we don't have to understand it all to hold it. Okay, Mary didn't understand a lot of it, but she, but she kept going. She didn't understand all that was going on. And then she made, we have to remember that God is about God. That's what Jesus was saying. Didn't you know that I must be, you know, in my father's house? So, we, so when we're in the midst, once this has been birthed and once we're going along, we have to remember, again, it's all about God and, and it's about what he's doing. And we, and we don't necessarily, he doesn't always fill in all the pieces for us, you know, but we can still hold it even if we don't understand it. Okay, the next story. Sometimes we get it a little and we want results, and I love this. And if anybody in here is Jewish, I don't mean to offend you, but she does the really Jewish mother thing really well here in this story. So Mary, it's the wedding of Canaan. At Cana, excuse me, and, um, and they're having a party and they run out of wine and she goes up to Jesus and says, okay, 
do something about it, you know. And he's like, well, it's, you know, what do you mean do something? Yeah. But then she turns to the servants and she says, listen, do what he says, okay? You know, this is my son. Do what he tells, you know, do what, do what he says. And really, that's what we need to remember and do. Just do what he tells you, okay? Don't worry, you know, take that one step, whatever that step is, just do it. Keep, keep on going with what, what, he, has, what he has going. Um, you know, and, and she, you know, she's, she gets it. She believes that he is who he says he is because she says you can do something about this, okay? So do what he says. And then the beautiful thing, it says, this miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Okay, do what he tells you because it lets his glory reveal to others and they will believe. Mary participates in what causes the disciples to believe that Jesus is who he's saying he is. Okay? She has this confidence. And she... Oh, oh, I went the wrong way. Sorry. (laughs) Okay. Last one. So we let his glory be revealed so that others will believe. And then you have to go all the way. And this is what Mary does. We have to go all the way with whatever God has birthed in us. First place she has to go, or the, one of the places she has to go is she has to go to the cross. Okay? And there she is. Jesus is, I mean, Mary's there when her son is being crucified. And I'm sorry, some people might think, oh, she was just there, you know, oh, how she gave up her son. No mother wants their child killed. Especially not that way. But no mother wants her. She was in agony and in despair because this was happening. She didn't understand all of the picture. But she was there. She stayed present. Even when it was ugly and awful and it caused her extreme pain, she stuck with it. That's pretty amazing. But then she, she was also there at the resurrection and ascension. And now when I think about this, the resurrection and ascension, this is the joyous time. Yay, he's back. It's great. That's the resurrection. But for the mama, there's also the ascension, which is the he leaves again. He's gone. Wait a minute. This is my, this is, this is what I birthed. This is my dream. This is what, you know. No, wait a minute. Wait a minute. You know, this is, this is mine. This is what God's called me to go. And now all of a sudden God's saying, oh, it's time for it to go. Ooh, that can be hard. That can be really hard. The letting go part, right? And we all let go as parents and very much in stages. But there's times when God asks us to let go of things that we've birthed, that he's birthed through us, that it's time to let it go so that it can be what it needs to be. Um, ouch. Some of that stuff can be very painful. But Mary did that. But she didn't even stop there. She didn't stop there. Because you know what? Mary was there in the upper room. She was ready. She was expecting again. She was ready for, okay, God, what are you going to birth next? Okay? She was there. She kept on going. She was united in prayer, waiting with expectation. She was surrounded by other people encouraging her on. So my question for us is, are you expecting? Okay? What, you know, what might God be wanting to birth in and through you? And worship team, I'd like you to come now if you can. Um, you know, I feel like this, this message that God had me looking at Mary was um, to, to really, a lot of the folks that we've studied, a lot of stuff that we've studied with, with uh, Joseph, a lot of the stuff that we've studied with um, the other people at the beginning of the series, all of them exhibit some of this. But God just wanted to, wants us to be encouraged to remember that God is birthing stuff in us and through us and wants to. 
And so my question for each of you is, where are you in this process, in the process? Maybe you're at the point of hearing God's invitation to, to allow him to birth something inside of you. Are you willing? Are you willing? Maybe you're at the weighty place where maybe, um, you know, God has been calling and birthing something, invited you to something, but you're in that waiting time. And you need someone to come alongside you and encourage you to keep on going. Maybe that's where you're at. Or maybe you're somewhere in that wonder stage. I wonder if this will ever happen. Or, I, you know, or the wonder of, oh, what did I just birth? What, what did God just birth through me? And, and where is it going from here? Um, and maybe, or maybe you just need to be reminded about what it is that God has birthed and who's the one who's doing the birthing. Maybe you're in the upper room listening again. Okay, God, I'm ready. I'm ready to hear. What, what's, what's this new thing that you're going to do, God? So I would just encourage you that wherever you're at in that stage, if you'd like to come and have somebody come and pray with you, I would love to pray with you. I'm sure people would come and pray with you. So why don't we all stand and... Um, Maybe it's somewhere in the process and you would like somebody to come alongside. Maybe you need one of those women to come along and say, I've done this. You'll get through this. Or, or a guy to come alongside would say, let me share my story. This is the amazing thing that God did with me. Because nothing is impossible with God. Okay? So I just invite you as we sing and then... Would you just open your hands? Lord Jesus, here in your presence, Lord, we stand before you to receive, Lord God, those dreams that are in your heart that you want birthed in us. Lord Jesus, for each one here this morning and each who will hear this word, Lord, we pray, God, that you would bring the encouragement to continue to push on Lord, through the waiting, through the challenges, through any difficulties, through any distractions that would come, anything that would lead us to something else or something less than all that you want. Lord God, we just choose today, Lord, to receive from your hand everything, Lord God, that you want to bring, everything that you want to birth in our lives and through our lives, everything that you want to birth in this house and through this house. God, do it for your glory, we pray. And now with hands open, I pray that you'd be filled afresh today with the immeasurable love of God the Father, the irresistible mercy and grace of Jesus Christ the Son, the inexhaustible strength and power, comfort and hope of the Holy Spirit be with you and yours as you go from this house to yours, sent to make disciples of all nations. Go with a banner of His favor and goodness over your life. You are favored. Blessing of the Lord be upon you. Go in His grace. Till we gather again, either in this house or our eternal home, I bless you, people of God, in Jesus' name. Amen.